our next comedy Count Druncula on the um, Deadpool podcast. Seriously, why did we? Uh, ha- why did we need to hear every ad for the movie on this episode? I asked that same question. Um, the following podcast contains mature language and spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Our first comment comes from Count Druncula. Seriously, why do we need to hear every ad for the... We already talked about this. That was a bad recording. Uh, Are we going to really read the whole thing or should we just, edit I think it's in? just this one. The, the rest of it, we can... We, I think we stopped here. No, I mean, like, do we need to read this whole comment? We haven't really been editing, so it's... Yeah, I know, but maybe we should start. Well, I'd have to have edited it before I got to this point. It's easier to just find <laughs> read it. Fuck it. <laughs> Heard the Look at how freaking long this is. What do you mean it'd be easier for me to just read all this? I said it'd be easier for you. I said it'd be easier for me. This is a. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I... let's make him read it. You read it no, let's just, not, let's just not. Let's just not. Let's not address it at all. I guarantee you, Ryan's forgotten about this. Ryan, if you really want me to talk about this fucking Deadpool comment, comment again, but like summarize. Fuck. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Deadpool. Well, there's more than just his though. This makes me really upset. Let's just forget that this comment ever happened. Let's forget it happened. He spent the time to write that long-ass comment, though. <laughs> I said, make him read the but, one. Right, right, right. Let, but, him, let but, him just read the one. But no, listen to me, though. What are we going to reply to this? What are we going to say? I, me neither, man. We're going to just be like, okay, Ryan, you talked about fucking Ajax and Ryan Reynolds. Like, what are we going to talk about? He didn't like Colossus. What? Yeah, he didn't like Colossus in Deadpool. Dude, I was like the best Colossus yet. No, he says this, he says that this is uh, like the worst. Then you don't know Colossus. Was that good? Works for me. Our next comment comes from Siskoid. <laughs> this is a lot. Oh my god, <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> Superman, Blue Beetle, Captain Marvel, Firestorm, the Crimson Avenger, Batman, Halo, Guy Gardner, the Sandman, Shadow Lass. Dollman, the Star Spangled Kid, the Flash, the Phantom Stranger, Power Girl, Hawkman, Fury, the Challengers of the Unknown, Nightwing, the Whip, Johnny Thunder, the Suicide Squad, Deadman, the Spectre, Warlord, Amazing Man, Power Man, Adam Strange, Doctor Occult, the Doom Patrol, Captain Comet, Green Lantern, Uncle Sam, the Guard, Batgirl, Doctor Mid, Jonah Hex, Black Con, the Manhunter, the Guardians of the Florence, Blue Devil, Doctor Fate, the Legion of Super, the Secret Origins Podcast. Covering every issue of DC's Secret Origins comic from the 1980s. Hosted by Ryan Daly and a multitude of guests from the podcast and blogging community. Secret Origins Podcast. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. I was thinking the other day, Superman villains, right? Titano. Do you know who Titano is? No, Titano. It's a giant monkey that shoots kryptonite out of its eye, right? Ridiculous in comics. And there's nothing about that that makes it necessary to be in comics. You can come up with something that's more cool and more suited to the... Yeah. But Superman has spent most of his motion picture career fighting one regular human being who is only apparently slightly smarter than anybody else based on how he's treated in the movies, who's very fixated on real estate. So if you went from... 
Lex Luthor to fucking Titano. That would be pretty impressive. You got to see basically Superman versus King Kong on the screen. You're right. I remember Titano from the Superman cartoon. Mm -hmm. I remember that now. So all of a sudden it goes from something that's just kind of cheesy in animation or in comics. But you do that in live action. Titano is like the coolest Superman villain so far. But like I said, because we were doing that for a while that you had that uh, wild Marvel up your ass where you wanted us to do all the different characters and do like quick bits on them. We're still doing. Oh, oh, I still want to do the hot moose show. I'm trying to get that put together. Okay. But, it's but I, I sat there and I started kind of thumbing through one and I thought about as because I'm literally watching this and I had a Marvel's Universe who's who mm-hmm. the the big trade one I was flipping. I think man, it would be so cool if you had some of these. I, I guess that's where I got the Red Ghost from and and Whirlwind. What's his name? The dude with the the sickle for his hand. Um, the Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper. Actually, that's kind of a important character for Avengers story. Really? If they ever try to bring in Wonder Man or go deeper into the Vision in the in the eh, movie, you, you need Wonder to do Man. something with Grim Reaper. I don't think they'd go with Wonder Man. I would hope not. I hate Wonder Man. Yeah, I, I think I, that's. I just in, hate in that all character. His carnations, I don't particularly. Actually, care you know what? Because you, you've been following Game of Thrones. Yeah. Are you aware that Wonder Man was a highly influential character to George R. R. Martin? No way. Yeah, he read because the original Wonder Man story. I think it was around. It, it was still in like the teens of the Avengers. I think maybe into the twenties, but it was. I think he was still like Stan and Jack doing it, right? So the original Wonder Man story, back when he had the green outfit with the red highlights, yeah. is that he's this great new powerful hero who comes out on the scene and the Avengers are interested in recruiting him and it turns out the twist is he's actually evil. He's been working for the Master of Evil. He was extorted because he had been embezzling from his company and so they were using that against him to, to turn him to their own uh, okay. devices and at the end of the story he sacrifices himself. He, he allows himself to die so that he doesn't betray the Avengers and, and be evil essentially and he stayed dead for like 10 years or so and then I believe it was Steve Englehart when, oh, during his Avengers run resurrected Wonder Man and made him like a more permanent member of the Avengers and George R.R. R. Martin hated that because he thought he loved the fact that this guy he was in this one story and he has a, a major impact on the story and then he dies and then he stays dead and he said that that type of storytelling and that story in particular influenced his own writing in things like Game of Thrones and people were laughing when he was talking about it he's like no I'm serious and they ruined it when they brought him back they ruined the story you cannot bring them back and uh, it, it kind of shows his philosophy part of his philosophy when it comes to things like Game of Thrones came from this Marvel comic well no I think he's more in love with the fact that when you kill someone they stay dead yeah you you let them have a major impact you don't just kill somebody who's a minor useless character you let them have an Im- impact in the story but when they're dead they need to fucking stay dead which is a lesson Marvel could stand to learn yeah because like, Wonder time- Man was I think Wonder Man was a much better character dead than he's ever been alive well because that brings to mind the Nightcrawler they kill Nightcrawler he's dead which I, I don't agree with them killing Nightcrawler and then you when by the time they kill Nightcrawler you know he's not gonna dead because nobody stays dead yeah but see that's the thing though what they did in the meantime was Nightcrawler dies then uh, you have X-Force which is you know Wolverine it's Wolverine's hit squad where they're taking out bad guys before they step up I don't know if you read it Rick Remeter I'm aware of it I didn't okay. read very much so, of it so it's a great run dude I, I highly recommend it for you it's it's you know about 30 episodes it's 4 or 5 trades Wolverine creates a hit team and they basically go out and take out super villains before they become a threat to the point where the X-Men have to step in so it's almost like a hit squad and one thing I liked was they bring in they do this thing where they go into the alternate the um the uh what was it the alternate Age of Ultra uh, Age, Age of, uh, of Apocalypse? Apocalypse Universe and that Nightcrawler falls into our universe mm-hmm. and they did this great thing where and he was like a pirate in that no, universe no, no, wasn't no. he he's, he's, he's a little batshit crazy he's a little batshit crazy in that world because I thought he was like a sword wielding pirate <coughs> no he's no he's batshit crazy. Or something. No, he's just batshit okay. crazy because the, because the blob I believe also who came from that universe falls into our universe ate his wife in that universe who is he married to in Age of Apocalypse well, I have no idea I, I actually Which, read Excalibur because 
because I, I was uh, reading the title at that time. The, this blob was way cooler than the original one because this one actually had the word pig across his stomach, like mm. a tattooed pig on his stomach, and mm-hmm. really punk. The words or the pulled, image? No, an image of I believe an image of a pig and okay. the word pig above it, mm-hmm. pierced nipples. I just I'm like, oh, this dude is fucking grotesque. Well, Warren Ellis wrote Excalibur. Did he? Yeah, yeah. probably not his great work. Oh no, no, it sucked. But I was reading the book because Warren well, Ellis was doing a good job prior to that. But see, they did the reason. I, the reason I brought it up was the original Nightcrawler, which was always kind of annoying to me. Kind of the, you know, me guy. I always liked Nightcrawler. I just, I didn't love whiny. him. He was never my favorite. Whiny? No. Dude, he was always, people hate me for the way I look in my three little fingers. He just whined about the way he looked. Uh, I think maybe you, you, maybe you got bogged down with all that Chuck Austin shit, but back when Cockrum uh, co-created that character and all in his early days, he was the swashbuckler. He was the devil may care type. He wasn't whiny. You're I guess that's the something. the early Claremont stuff? Yeah, I'm talking about the early, the early stuff. Because Cockrum. See, but that was, like, I, I, that I, was like the happy X-Men, dude. Like, they weren't hated yet. Well, and they even in the Nightcrawler miniseries from the 80s, it was the same thing. He's yeah. like dimension hopping and having adventures and he's fun loving and smiling all the time. Uh, I don't know. I, I, that I shit, guess... the, the, the dour night, Nightcrawler didn't get started until after the Excalibur series, which ran for 10 fucking years, yeah. until that wrapped up and he got folded back into shitty, torturous X-Universe, core X-Universe well, shit. Again, trying to complete my thought here, uh, which we talked about earlier. The cool thing they did was this, they were taking characters from a different universe, introducing them to the Marvel Universe, and of course this one, to get revenge, which I, I still to this day think was one of the coolest things, was the blob was like, you can't harm me. He's like in a, they're like in a giant fish tank, or a giant fish tank behind him with a shark, and uh, Nightcrawler's bouncing around, and he's like, you know, you nothing can move the blob. So what does Nightcrawler do? He jumps into the tank, he teleports a shark inside of the, of, inside of the blob, then teleports out, mm-hmm. and the shark begins to gnaw its way out of him. <laughs> and I remember sitting there thinking, holy shit! Like, I had to reread that and call Fryhole because Fryhole had loaned it to me, and I'm like, what the fuck did I just read? And he's like, that was great, wasn't it? And I'm like, <laughs> I, probably the greatest thing. I, I would have never thought of Nightcrawler having that set of balls like that. But that's what I'm talking about. Like, they create a character, you you pigeonhole him for a long time, you have to kill him, and then they bring him back, and they're the same. I liked it better that they killed him, and they just brought a dangerous, darker version from another universe into our universe, our version, and he did fucked up shit. And the whole time, Wolverine and them are still having problems looking at this guy, because they're, they're Nightcrawler dead, and it fucks with them. And he doesn't give a shit, dude. Like, he doesn't care. He's just there to kill somebody. He's so obsessed with this. And that dynamic was what I was like, okay, when Marvel does it this way, it's cool. When Marvel brings them back because uh, we need to sell some t-shirts and some comics, I, I just, I, I think that's where I, I, I kind of start drawing the line with the books where I, I really cut back on whatever. I, I truly now got to the point where I only follow writers and if the writers start going, they start jumping on that track, I just drop them and keep, like Warren Ellis, I haven't read anything Warren Ellis so long because he was kind of going on that track for a while. There's certain writers that, I mean, I guess they run out of tricks out of the bag that they start kind of I mean hell the worst one I think is Buziak and them I know we were talking about it last time I just feel like they just copy other people's shit over and over and it just there's nothing to it that's why I was trying to tell you I, I just read the Nick Spencer's uh, uh, Superior Spider-Man's Foe uh, it's been a long time since I picked up a trade and had to read the whole trade in one sitting it was so enjoyable I like the characters it's some really funny shit I highly recommend it you do it's, it's funny it's clever it's a little dark it took me back to when I was like man I remember reading comics trades and I, I couldn't like I, I found a reason like okay well you know I'm gonna kill whatever I had to do in the next 20 minutes is gonna have to wait because I gotta finish this this is too good to not finish and I'm excited to read the next trade like Nick Spencer really kind of he got me with this one and then of course and I'm reading some other stuff but let's finish up here okay okay I watched the uh I zombie I don't know if you've seen these but they've been doing these uh CW shows where they're discussing who wins versus uh, Batman versus Superman oh yeah yeah they're pretty pathetic and apparently everybody <laughs> on iZombie thinks Batman wins so not very interesting. I figured. So. 
Have you ever watched that show, iZombie? I watched the pilot, and it just it was too much like Veronica Mars. It it didn't feel like it was like I read the first issue of the comic book, and it didn't really grab me. I watched the first episode of the show, and it didn't grab me. But the comic book did not appear to be the show, mm. and vice versa. Uh, I love the credit sequence with the Mike Allred artwork, but it just felt like too much like a Rob Thomas CW you know yeah, PN type yeah. show. I've I've never watched it. I just I've never read the source material. I. I'm not a big zombie fiction guy. Like I read the first issue of The Walking Dead and I didn't like it. I've seen I've actually seen a good chunk of the TV show because my wife loves it, so I'm I'm pretty familiar with the show, but it's I don't know, it's not it's not really my thing. So zombies a, are one of my favorite things in the entire world. Yeah. So, and yet I still don't watch iZombie, so that kind of tells yeah, you something. Yeah, figure so. Uh hey, I was just going online because I knew that it was coming today. Uh and I don't know if you want to record something for Marvel superheroes, just like a, a drop in or something. They just released a new trailer for X Men Apocalypse. So. To this morning or yesterday? Yeah, just this morning. Uh do you mind if I go watch it right quick? Because I haven't yeah, seen it. So that's, I was gonna do the same thing. Have you watched you, it yet? I haven't watched it yet. I, I just brought it up, so uh we could we can watch it and then we can talk about it if you want. Hey, looks like Mystique's blue this time. I know, I'm wondering if that's CGI or if they actually got her to make it. The feeling that someday they'll come for you and your children. I feel a great swirl of pity for the poor soul that comes to my school looking for trouble. It's a, they use that Some line believe before. that the first mutant was born thousands of years ago. Together we will cleanse the earth to the strongest. He means to destroy this world. Billions of people killed. I was waiting to make sure they weren't going to do one of those trailer stingers that right. have gotten so popular these days. Although I really like that the one in the last one with Xavier. Yeah. So so here's the thing. You know, probably the first thing I was a big fan of in comics was the X-Men. It was, it was like one of the first books I followed on any kind of a regular basis. Me too. A- and then in the late 80s, you know, really the Sylvester period was the, was the demarcation point where I just sort of sort of lose interest when they're out in the Australian outback and they all yeah. had big hair and stuff. And so the last moment of great love I had for the X-Men was that, that resurgence they had under Jim Lee where Psylocke comes out and Gambit gets introduced and Bishop. And so I have a, a much greater love for that last hurrah, early 90s X-Men group of people than, than good taste would dictate I should have. And so seeing Psylocke in such a close approximation of her ridiculous ninja outfit, jumping around and kicking and stuff, I can't help but just get, get giddy over that. It just takes me back to my childhood too much. Me too. And Olivia Munn is nice to look at. I, I, I'm a fan of her. I, I think she's great. And I'm a little, it, does it feel like too simple casting of her? in the role i don't what, know like she, looks, she looks good and i think i think i'm hoping for that character to be a real breakout well, it seems like she's the one that people get the most excited about in the trailers. I, I like Olivia Munwell enough. I thought that she was a lot of fun when she was on Attack of the Show. I, she She's a legit geek girl. I'm tired of people trying to say that she's fake. It's like, no, she's she's into this stuff. She's, yeah, she's she fun. And uh, I, I haven't seen her a lot in movies. I caught her in Magic Mike. I didn't watch the newsroom. So I'm not familiar enough with her as an actress to have a, a call on that. I did. I watched the newsroom, and she was good on that. And that, I mean, with the Sorkin dialogue, that can be a real challenge. But I think she pulled it off well. She's she's brilliant. I I definitely think she's got she's got the legitimate geek cred, 
and she's also a legitimate actress. I have no problems with her in, the, in either of those respects. Mm-hmm. I, and I, you know, I know that she's mixed race, and Psylocke, you always have that issue where is she a white British lady or is she an Asian assassin? Right. And so getting somebody who's mixed, it sort of, to me, it kind of works. She can be both Psylocke and Revanche at the same time. Mm-hmm. She represents, but she, you know, so I, I, I don't have a problem with the casting. I, I think that you could have actually played into, uh, uh, you could, you could mock Psylocke as Orientalism or exoticism if you'd gotten somebody who was a more, you know, Asianic looking person. She, she's, Psylocke has always had this weird racial place. And so I think that by having somebody mixed race, you sort of acknowledge that and, you know, I, I'm cool with that. I, I, I'm, I, I think that she looks the part. She looks like how I would imagine the Jim Lee character represented on film. So that's not an issue for me. What did you think of the trailer as a whole? Uh, I like it well enough. The thing is, I've, I've talked about this before. The 80s are a sweet spot for me. I'm, I'm very nostalgic for that period. Mm-hmm. I like the collection of characters. Um, I like that we're actually getting to see Mystique. I'm getting a little tired of seeing Jennifer Lawrence instead of Mystique. It's, it's a point where the char- the actress has gotten so famous that it's, it's diminishing the role that she's supposed to be right, playing. Right. Uh, although at the same time, they've got three blue people on that team. And I think that could have been a little <laughs> bit overwhelming visually. Uh, I also, I, I appreciate. Actually, with a, a Apocalypse, there's going to be four blue people. There's going to be four true, blue yeah. skin characters and, in the movie. And we can officially give up on Apocalypse looking any better than he does. You know, this is as good as he's going to look. And um, they're not. I mean, we're getting full shots of him, but it it still feels like they're trying to hide him from the promotion of this movie. Yeah, he's kind of goofy looking. And see, I, I'm one of the things I like about this movie, and I would have liked better if they'd seen more of it in the Days of Future Past, is I love that they're getting some colors out there too. You know, a big part of the appeal of superheroes is those bright primary colors. Yeah. And I, I, I'm so tired of X-Men black leather. And I recognize that this being a period piece, and this is supposed to be part of a piece with the other X movies, that it makes sense for them to be running around in the black leather. But I love much more seeing those uh, horsemen running around in bright blues and bright reds. Um, I do wish they'd gone colorful with Archangel, though. I think that that would have been a really visually interesting character, whereas he looks kind of like a dork the way they do him. It, it very much looks like this pinhead CGI guy with that dumb faux hockey looking thing. Um, it just uh, he's the one who works the least for me of that group. Yeah, I was actually thinking like I like when the first half of the trailer, I was actually kind of digging because. I I really liked X Men First Class. I, I went into that movie thinking I would absolutely hate it. I was pretty much done with the X Men franchise. That movie crept up on me, and I loved it. I did not like Days of Future Past. So I was with this one. I was kind of like, eh, I can't get excited about it. I didn't like the previous trailer for it. But with this one, like the first half, I was like, okay, I'm digging it. I'm digging the vibe. I'm digging the look. And I really like the way the characters look just kind of in their general 80s civilian outfits. Towards the latter half when they're wearing their X-Men costumes, I'm not feeling those. I, I think Psylocke looks good. Storm, pretty good. Well, I, mean, uh, I, I do like the go, but I like that she's sleeveless. But like Magneto's costume, I don't like the X-Men costumes. I don't like Angel or Archangel's costume. Yeah, well, with Storm, she's always had the black outfit, so no issue yeah. there. And I think there's nowhere to go but up from Halle Berry. So right. that was always a real bone of contention with me, the miscasting there. And I, I, I think she looks good. I don't know the actress from anything, so I can't speak to anything beyond that. But she looks cool. I'm glad they gave her the mohawk. Yeah, me too. And I, I, Storm is one of my favorite X-Men characters, so I want to see her done right. Um, I like the idea that they're bringing Nightcrawler back. I want to see Nightcrawler again. He's one of my favorites. I so. really liked Alan Cummings 
Fang's take on the character in X-Men he, 2. He was great, and I wish we got more of that, but it was sort of a, a one-off, so I like that they're trying to bring him back and doing something with it. So, Well, it looks, too, he seems like sort of the scared guy hiding in the shadows, which is another aspect of that character. Uh, obviously, Cummings went with more of the showy aspects, mm-hmm. so it's it's valid either way. But I haven't, again, I, all the new guys haven't had enough to do in the trailers for me to be able to make any kind of determination on them. They look okay. So, but I, I, all I can go by is the quick flashes they've had in these trailers. Yeah. yeah. But I, I actually had the different perspective. I, I, I actually like X Men: The Last Stand because I have an equal amount of hatred for the X Men as love for them at this point. <laughs> uh, so I enjoyed the Schadenfreude, or however you pronounce that, of these guys just getting ripped to pieces in Final Stand and uh, Last Stand. And then when I watched First Class, I, I thought I was really excited about the prospect of doing a period X-Men movie or doing a period superhero movie really in general. Mm-hmm. And I, it just felt too campy. It was too kitschy. And I didn't like a lot of the casting choices they'd made. I really – Rebecca Romaine, I really liked his Mystique. She's the I, – I like Mystique okay as a villainess, but I didn't really think of her as an antihero until – the X-Men movies and uh, Rebecca Romaine's take on that character. And I thought she did the physicality really well. Mm-hmm. And ever since they've cast Jennifer Lawrence, I can't get past Jennifer Lawrence to get to Mystique. And because they made her such a central character in these, this latest trilogy of X movies, it's just like, go away. I'm, I'm really tired of her. I love Jennifer Lawrence in general, but I hate her in that part. And I'm just tired of how much they've forced that character on me in these last few movies. See, I had never seen Jennifer Lawrence before X-Men first class. That was my first exposure to the act. Actress, so I thought she was fine. She didn't bother me. And then with everything afterwards, I'm like, why are you doing these X-Men movies? Do something else. Do anything else, and you're getting an Oscar nomination for it at this point. So, Well, I mean, she signed those contracts for the first know. Oscar nomination. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, they were all playing out their three-picture deal. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do for that fourth movie because they're all loose after this one. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing too is uh, I'd be interested to watch First Class again because when I watched that movie the first time, I really wasn't familiar with any of the actors. And then since then, you know, I've, I really like Jennifer Lawrence and everything but the X-Men movies. I like Michael Fassbender. I've, I've come to like, um, uh, what's his face? The guy who plays Xavier. McAvoy. James yeah, McAvoy. James McAvoy. I, I like him now. So, um, you know, I, I might like it better if I revisited it. I really like Rose Byrne a lot more now too since I saw her in uh, Neighbors. Yeah, so yeah. it's like all of a sudden these people mean something to me where in the first movie they were ciphers to me. <laughs> I'm sure I will see this movie, but I'm still not excited for it. I, I'm uh, looking forward to it, but it does look a lot like every other X-Men movie. I mean, as yeah. far as like the big, you know, people floating and, and bro- the broad devastation, it feels like very much like a whole bunch of other movies I've seen. So when I see it, I'm going to see it for the Horsemen and for uh, the, the opportunity to check out these new versions of the classic X-Men. And I like Oscar Isaac, so I'm hoping he can channel some kind of really memorable and captivating performance through the visual aesthetic that they've made for Apocalypse. I haven't seen it yet. But I, I like see. the brief glimpses we've seen of Unsaba Noor. I don't know how yeah. I feel about Apocalypse, though. Yeah, that opening shot where it looks like he's just it's just him in ancient Egypt. I was like, you couldn't stay with that. <laughs> Leave him like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that, that was all I got. I, I okay. saw. I knew that that trailer was coming out today, so I just wanted to check after our talk if it had dropped, and it did. So. Yeah, totally unaware of that. I'll, I'll watch that one. I still haven't watched the last um, Civil War trailer. I'm not going to. I've just decided it's time to draw the line. Really? Yeah. So uh, oh. people people tell me it's great, and they also tell me there's some there's some good gags in there. Nothing like major spoilery, but just some extra gags. Like, oh, great, gags are exactly what I don't want to have spoiled in a freaking trailer at this point. I'm just not going to watch it. I'll wait for the movie. 
I don't um, really think there are many gags. I uh, if if you can if you can hold off, awesome, more power to you. I think it's one of the best, best, most exciting trailers I've ever seen. Okay, I'll, um, I'll look and, forward to checking it out after I see the movie. Yeah, yeah, and like I swear, like it was really weird because it feels like they show a lot in that trailer. Like I'm actually proud. If you can resist watching it, resist watching it because they show a lot in that trailer. But at no point, like when I was done, did I feel like they showed too much. As opposed to the Batman v Superman trailer, like the first time when they showed them coming together with Wonder Woman to fight Zod Doom or Doom Zod, whatever the thing is going to be. And I'm like, really? You're already showing me the Act 3 final battle reveal? And- well, we still haven't seen Doomsday, though. Because what I, my understanding is that the Doomsday they show you in the trailer, he's going to be adapting over the course of the fight. So you're going to get to see something closer to the actual Doomsday we're familiar with. So that's not his ultimate form. At least you've got that to look forward to. Okay. Unless I spoiled it for you by mentioning it to you just now. Well, the, the, it doesn't really matter. And yeah. I've, I was not going into this movie thinking, I can't wait to see Doomsday. I've always wanted to see Doomsday. I've never liked Doomsday. But uh. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I, I'm curious to see how long I'm going to be able to avoid seeing the movie. Because I'm not going to actively pursue it. The main reason why I saw Man of Steel cause was that I thought the final trailer was great. I loved the image of, of Superman being swallowed up in those skulls and the mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer score finally got to me. Um, and and I, I they also were making references to what DC characters are going to be appearing in that. And uh, I was on a road trip when the movie came out, so I think I saw it like a week later. And I kept waiting to see the, the some Easter eggs. I wanted to see these these early signs of the burgeoning DC universe. And the almost complete absence of that, like, and then the story itself having the problems that it had, uh, it was it was like such a disappointment to me. And I know that the stuff I was looking for in Man of Steel is going to pop up in Superman versus Batman. You know, we still haven't seen anything of Aquaman yet. There's still tons of stuff that they haven't shown us. We're supposed to get a glimpse of Flash in there, but it's just it looks like it's such a great big shitstorm. And and like you said, they've shown so much stuff in the trailers that unless I have people walking out of that going, oh my god, there's so much more than I thought, I, I'm going to hold off for as long as I can, I think. And I'm just, I yeah. I would like to, but like we like we agreed to do something for the uh, the Fire and Water podcast. Color me unsurprised. Like, yeah, we're uh, just, we're going to try and do something like a, a big roundtable review after the first weekend. So we've all got to see it the first weekend, which I'm like. Ugh. Can I, just I wish say, I could wait a lot longer. Can I just say, too, whatever negative impact uh, uh, our podcast might have had on your feelings on Deadpool, you don't understand how frustrating it was for me to listen to the Fire and Water, Film and Water podcast, and you guys all universally praising The Force Awakens without any real bone, major bones of contention. I'm like, you fuckers! Not a one of you, you're all drinking the fucking Kool-Aid? God damn it! All right, I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read it. You read it one time. Okay, I'm gonna read it. Ser- uh, our first comment comes from Count Dracula. Seriously, why do we need to hear every ad for the movie in this episode? I first met Deadpool in X Force number 15. I distinctly remember the issue because it came with a four pack action figure set that included Cable, Deadpool, Strife, and Forearm. I got from the Sears Christmas catalog. I thought it was awesome at the time, and I collected the four issue miniseries by Joe Madeira. But I got tired of the character right around the time Joe Kelly and Gail Simone were making him a more than a cookie cutter ninja with attitude. By the time 
time he was full gone crazy pants, I wanted nothing to do with Deadpool or Cable, and certainly not Strife and Forearm. As for the movie, I expected it to be hugely successful, but not something I would enjoy. With all the viral marketing hailed as brilliant by many, the only jokes I ever liked in the trailers were T.J. Miller's descriptions of Wade's face. So I didn't expect to see it on opening night, but my wife and I were really excited for it. Or my wife was really excited for it. She hasn't read Deadpool in more than two comics, if that, and I don't believe she's a Ryan Reynolds fan. By the way, if your wife says she's not a Ryan Reynolds fan, that means that she's an enormous Ryan Reynolds fan. Well, technically it's a love story. That's, huh? The movie was a love story. Yeah, I know. We're not talking about the movie yet. We're talking about Ryan Reynolds. Oh, my bad. I'm not even sure she's seen a Ryan Reynolds movie, honestly. But a couple years ago, we got the Xbox Connect fighting game called Marvel vs. Capcom, where the Avengers and X-Men duked it out with guys from Street Fighter and other arcade games I have no reference for. Anyway, my wife's favorite character to play with was Deadpool because of his sarcastic quips and onomatopoeic verbalization of his attacks. When he shoots, he shouts bang, 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 bang. She had greater expectations in the, uh, and was thus more disappointed. I don't understand how she could have expectations built up off a of video game. Anyway, uh, she... I had zero expectations. It was neither disappointed nor truly entertained. The opening credit sequence was clever and impressive. And after that, there were a few gags and bits in the first 20 minutes that made me think begrudgingly that I would have to admit this movie was good. But then the novelty of the hard R superhero movie wore off. As soon as Wade was diagnosed with cancer, the Ford momentum nosedived. I really got bored and stayed that way for a while. The villain, Ajax, spelled Francis, was like a black hole for which no entertainment value could escape. Every time he appeared, I stopped caring about the movie and wondered if they recast the actor who played Beast in the last two movies or if James Marsden was doing a British accent. After the jokes and gimmicks, the plot of this film is a razor-thin revenge story. Uh, but I never cared about it because the villain was boring and I wasn't sure he really deserved Deadpool's wrath. The torture scenes were comparatively pedestrian and if Wade's vengeance is really fueled by being made unfuckable, well, boo fucking who? A lot of people suffer burns and disfigurements worse than... Man, this is... A lot of people suffer burns and disfigurements worse than him and don't become immune uh, to everything. Then there's Colossus. For a moment there, I actually thought we'd finally get a good Peter, that's his name, on screen because you were calling him Pietro, Mr. Fix-It, which is Quicksilver. Uh... But he was actually, no, it's Peter. He was actually the worst part of the movie. <laughs> but he was actually the worst part of the movie. Look, when I realized Klaus is, look, I realized Klaus is a difficult character to portray in one part because he's physically, he's got shiny metal skin and whatnot. But he's damn near impossible to render without looking super computer generated. Then the pitfalls of character, he's also friendly Russian, mostly Russian, most friendly Russian in popular culture since Cold War have been comedy tropes. Uh, da, 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 shit. Okay, uh, Peter has a heart of an artist. He doesn't like fighting, but in this movie, ramped him up to a zen pacifist. And then when he does fight, he gets a shit kicked out of him by a woman we've never heard of before. The character, not the actress. The last thing I'll mention is the humor. I don't watch Family Guy because they fire off a hundred jokes in a half hour episode, maybe three or four of them would land for me. While the hit ratio of Deadpool was a little better, it was only a little better. It wasn't totally unenjoyable. There were times when I laughed, and at least one time when I was the only person in the theater laughing. My favorite line, Captain Deadpool. I think that I was the only person in the theater who realized the stinger was from Ferris Bueller's Day off which is sad if you really if that was the case because everybody should get that stinger it's the original stinger but the most important thing was when i heard careless whisper and i immediately thought of you three oh so congratulations for that i will take it high fives around for the three uh, and splice in careless whisper here and done i feel so unsure as i take your hand and lead you to the dance floor the music dies Something in your eyes Calls to mind the silver screen And all its goodbye I'm never gonna dance again Give the feet I've got no 
I forgot to mention, I'll co-sign the endorsement of Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force. It was a guilty pleasure book that embraced all the things I loved about the 90s X-Men, Archangel, Psylocke, Apocalypse, Deadpool. Plus, Remender's Deadpool was legitimately funny and crazy. I mean, he sings Gloria Estefan while being dismembered. You like the Rick Remender stuff, eh? Yes, Petro liked it very much. <laughs> okay, that was that was lovely. Great accent there. Yeah, was that like Mexican? I go for Jamaican Russian. <laughs> Hey, man. I'm from Russia, man. Nah, nah. Eh, eh. It's eh, eh. Nah, nah. Oh, I liked, I liked his take on the uh, Four Horsemen. I thought it was a really nice, kind of twisted take on his for, his version. Well, Captain so. Druncula agrees with you, sir. I'm most curious what film he would like. I actually liked Deadpool quite a bit. I thought it was really fun. He likes a lot of movies. He he likes Civil War. They did a whole oh. podcast. The Fire and Water Network did their little all-stars where Rob Kelly and Shag and Chris Franklin and all talked about the movie in, in positive terms. They also, I think most of the same people liked The Force Awakens. So. They didn't invite you over? Ah, uh, they know better. Then he doesn't say. Hold on, I gotta say. Give me those Star Wars. They already had the best. Dead Bothan spies. Dead Bothan spies is already the best title, and I don't even know what that means. Apparently, a bunch of Bothan spies died to get them the plans to the Death Star. Yeah, that's what Rogue One is based on. That couldn't have stayed the title for the. the my understanding that means that I lose my Dead Bothan spies promos. Oh yeah, you like that promos a lot. You'd be feeling a lot better, Han, if you were listening to Dead Bath and Spies, a Star Wars podcast hosted by me, Ryan Daly. That doesn't sound too hard. It's not hard. You just check out Dead Bath and Spies on iTunes, Facebook, or the blog page, deadbathandspies.blogspot.com. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. Well, I, I don't know if terror is an appropriate description. It's a podcast that combines everything you love about me talking and some of what you love about Star Wars. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. Fine, whatever. Do that after you listen to Dead Bath and Spies. Yoda, you seek Yoda. No, you seek Dead Bath and Spies, a Star Wars podcast. Check it out. It beats kissing a Wookiee, I would think. <laughs> But yeah, my understanding is the rationale was that A, uh, he was moving over to the Fire and Water Podcast Network, so that was gave him a fresh start. And B, on iTunes, you want to have the words Star Wars in the name of your Star Wars sure, podcast, sure. or you're fucked. So uh, it, it was it just was the practical choice to make. And you rec- you, you know the reference, right? Give me those Star Wars. <laughs> the Bill Murray Lounge Act from Saturday Night Live. No, I did not. Star Wars, give me those Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, don't let them Star Wars, those here in Star Wars, talking about Star Wars on a podcast. I'm Ryan Daly, and welcome to... And I'm the Irredeemable Shag. Dude, what are you doing? What? Give me those Star Wars as my show. Well, you're part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, so it's really our show. But if you show up on the promo, people will think you're the co-host. I'm not? No, the show will have rotating guests. You just took that idea from my Justice League International podcast. You took that idea from my Secret Origins podcast. 
And you took that idea from Dead Both and Spies. That was my podcast. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I sang the theme song with you. So? So, technically, I appear on every episode. I'm part of the foundation of this new Star Wars show. That's... That's true. So, you want to take this from the top, or what? <sighs> I'm Ryan Daly. Join me and a galaxy of guest stars on Give Me The... <coughs> Including the irredeemable Shag, whose voice you will technically hear on every episode. On Give Me Those Star Wars. The official Star Wars show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available on iTunes and Stitcher and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Okay, I did know that. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, you, I'll, I'll take this one since you had such a, a Our next comment's from Siskoid. I thought it was a fun flick, but perhaps not nearly as meta as I wanted it to be. I don't have any attachment to Deadpool per se. I've read a couple of his more modern appearances and liked them well enough. But he's just ambush bug with guns and knives. I don't really care for guns and knives very much, you know? But you're fun enough. Kids I hang out with all went back a few days later, and I said no thanks. Not sure what more I could have gotten out of a second viewing. As for the life fell to hate Mac finds so unpalatable, I think the guy brings it on himself, acting like comics answer to Kanye on social media. He co-created the character, his, which is totally not true. People have hated Liefeld way before social media. Come on. Uh, co-created a character, his strongest visual, but I think people, but, but I think what people like about the character beyond the look is the personality and the meta humor, which was all other people. So co-creator, he shall remain, and he shouldn't be dissing the other people who added it. He did not diss anybody. Everyone chill out. Uh, I think that's just bad for him. Uh, I think that he's very bad at presenting himself, but I don't think that you can look at the movie and its success and lay it at his feet. I never did that. There's as much Nicieza and Kelly and whoever else made the character what it is, and of course, the lion's share of the credit should go to the director, writer, star, uh, as with any film. Steel is a terrible film, but that's not Louis Simonson and John Bogdanov's fault. Therefore, Liefeld does doesn't necessarily deserve the credit. I don't think we should lay X-Men Origins at his feet either. I'm sure Ryan is sincere about not liking it, but I wonder if this isn't retaliation for Frank making him wanting to quit podcasting after his takedown of Black Lightning in the Secret Origins comment section. And speaking of Marvel superheroes, we got another epic-length comment from Diablo Frank, who hosts the Marvel Superheroes podcast with Illegal Machine and Mr. Fixit. He also does the Idle Head of Diablo podcast, devoted to the Martian Manhunter, where he just released the second part of his 60th anniversary special for the Manhunter from Mars. People, you have got to check out these two episodes. Frank did an incredible, Herculean, and most likely thankless job of combing through 60 years of publication history, gathering archived audio of creators talking about John Jones in comics, cartoons, and live-action television. He converted text pieces to audio. He did interviews himself with people like Peter David, Howard Chaikin, and J.M. DeMatteis. The whole thing is like four and a half hours long, part documentary, part oral history. It's really an amazing feat of podcasting that I can't imagine will be matched by anyone for quite some time. And I heap all this praise on Frank as a precursor to saying how f***ing mad he made me last week. Frank is a champion of underrepresented characters in comics. Women, ethnic minorities, gays, trans, Martians, everything. So, you would think that when we cover the only black hero who gets his own featured origin story in this entire series, that Frank would have something positive to say. But no, no, Frank can't love anything. Frank wrote 1,500 words ripping black lightning to shreds. 
I am not going to read those comments because I read them once and they made me so depressed I wanted to quit podcasting. Luckily, the other Fire and Water guys talked me down. But all of Frank's comments, as well as the responses from others, can be found at the Fire and Water website. <laughs> Do you want me to take a couple after that? Um, well, let me talk about some things in here. Because I'm pretty sure I talked about things about this the other You're time. You're kind of uh, commenting during the comments. So. Yeah, I commented during the comments. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Our next comment comes from 108 Sage, Ari Daredevil. My secret to watching S Season 1 was to pair it with the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt to alleviate the darkness. Thus, uh, I'll, I'm waiting till Season 2 of... What's Tux? Yeah. The, the unbreakable Schmidt. Okay, before I start Daredevil season two, so two weeks left. Got to finish uh, at Continuum series two. The unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is that the chick from the Office? Yeah, that show makes me want to commit suicide just looking at the commercials, uh, uh, and I mean like a violent suicide. Paquito watched the first season. I found it kind of really racist. Are you yeah. serious? I mean, but she says it all cute, like yeah, it's all, it's it's all not so yeah, racist. yeah. It's it's yeah. I, I had some issues with uh, stuff they did with an Asian character in there, where it was half uh, commending the character and half infatuation with Orientalism, and then they've got a black transvestite character who's extremely flamboyant, and it's like eh, I want to talk is... more. I want to talk more about the Brit washing because Tom Holland. Peter Parker, British. Uh-huh. Preacher, British. Keep going. Okay, but Ellie Kemper was the, in the American version of The Office where they took out all the British characters and had an entirely American cast. No, but that's the American version of a British show. That's totally different. Keep going. Okay, you want me to read one of these now? I keep trying. Our next comment comes from Ryan M. Fields. That's so Raven. On uh, This is for episode 52. Uh, I thought the characters were great. Great fight scenes, too. I'm surprised you guys didn't like it more. Uh, I think it's the best MCU work next to Winter Soldier. How can you say that Halloway's fight scenes are overrated? It's an amazing, act- amazing action piece. I thought it was powerful because you feel the Murdoch character in action. Jessica Jones, first three episodes of that, I thought it was going to be better than DD, but it slows to a crawl. Should have been 10 episodes. Are we ever going to talk about Jessica Jones? We, we need to do an episode on Jessica Jones. Uh, I would. I don't want to tip the hand too much, but I kind of agree with some of what was said there. Uh, I, I totally disagree. I think Jessica Jones is fantastic. Okay. And I just petered out towards the end. And uh, okay, we'll talk about it. The other thing is, that I I don't think I said anything bad about the hallway sequence. I thought the hallway sequence was great. You're the one who talked shit about the hallway sequence. I just think it's overrated. But it's really cool still. Oh no, it's a great scene. But I thought that the the scene where he fights uh, the main samurai guy was equally as rad, but gets no comment really. I thought that was cool too, but not as good as the hallway. It just wasn't choreographed as well. Okay. And it's also one on one. And again, I didn't think Daredevil season one really ramped up until like episode nine. So the hallway scene was what episode two, yeah. episode three. Yeah, the show. Was well, still we had really, a long fucking break the, too. The show. It was took us really, a year to watch the season. Really, was, man, that show drug its heels up until episode eight and episode nine. We really start to get into the freaking kingpin. Mm-hmm. Does that so show take off? Yeah, but it's only Actually, thirteen episodes, so really only eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. We're good. Well, you know why we haven't talked about Jessica Jones yet, too? Huh? Fix it. Have you finished the show yet, hmm? Jessica Jones? Did you finish it yet? No, I'm not halfway through. You fucker. Dude, it's it can get a chore sometimes. I, I didn't think Jessica. Do we knock Jessica Jones out in like three weeks? Really? Yeah, for real. Yeah, we, we didn't take very long with it as well. Get on the stick, dude. Our next comment comes from Ryan Daly. Uh, interesting that you guys compared Deadshot to Walking Dead's Daryl since years ago. I fan casted Norman Reedus in the part. That Gutenberg thou. Hashtag Police Academy. Hashtag Cocoon. Hashtag Short Circuit. Hashtag Three Minute a Baby. Man, Gutenberg had a run, dude. No shit. Well, yeah. Well, it's just like we were watching Ooh. Ghostbusters earlier and fucking, um, what's his fuck face? The nerd. Yeah, um, Rick. 
Rick, Rick Moranis. Moranis. Yeah, that I dude. Find, we, I you find forget him Rick Moranis. You forget how many fucking movies that dude did from the late eighties to the early nineties. Little blew, Shop of Horrors. The kids, honey. I shrunk the kids. That dude was honey, working like a motherfucker. Kids. Yeah, I think he was a moneymaker too. You know what? I I really don't like the casting of Norman Reedus as uh, yeah. Deadshot at all. I think that's really bad casting, Ryan Daly. I'm sorry. I just have to call you out on that. That's just what Norman Reedus has just a rabid following abroad who mm-hmm. want to just. Jump that dude's crossbow. Well, she, he actually Paquita, he hurt Paquita's feelings at Comic Palooza. Really? We went to the Boondock Saints panel with the reasonable expectation that Norman Reedus, Norman Reedus would be at it, and the cast of the movie teased him showing up. And like forty minutes into the panel, Reedus shows up with a birthday cake for Clifton Collins the Third, this Weasley looking dude that was in the second movie that I never bothered to see. And he like slams the the birthday cake down, and, and like he sticks a microphone into the birthday cake. And he was gone so quickly that the people were still getting their phones up to take a picture of him, and he was already back behind the curtain again. Oh, wow. And so uh, Paquita took that as a personal slight. She was very angry at him, and then I, I did some research and said, look, this guy really takes care of his fans. This is a guy who will go outside the convention center and still be signing stuff for people to make sure that everybody gets taken care of. He just He's a he's kind of a shy guy, and he doesn't like doing panels, and you just gonna have to forgive him for that. It just And it was a fun panel. It's just that it was all on Sean Flannery to carry the panel but it was an entertaining panel aside from the fact that it was about a movie that she never saw and with the, all the broiness going on she will never want to see yeah so she just wanted to see Norma Reedus because the walking right dead. and I think I'm and it was not a walking her... dead panel so relax exactly well that I, I just don't think he does panels he doesn't seem like a man of many words. And I didn't watch his motorcycle traveling around the world show. I, I tried US watching show. the one that they, he did an episode in uh, the Austin area. And I had to just start fast forwarding. Well, it was really Austin. boring. He should have come down to the fucking H. Well, he actually he did Austin and San Antonio. Yeah, he should have come down to the mother. What did I just say? I said he should have come down to the motherfucking H. Yeah, but it wasn't. It uh, after watching it, I don't think I, the H would have been enough to keep me watching either. It wasn't. So. It's not. A, I would have liked to see him. It's come not. Down to the it's not a strong show. He should have come down to the fucking H. Well, well see, he'd find some stupid, obscure bullshit like he'd go to like the fucking Orange Show or some shit like that. It wouldn't have been any damn good. Okay. And he'd have talked about Texas is a place for banditos, and it has a, the legend yeah. of these renegades. It's like, dude, this stop, stop. No, th- listen. This is my Norman Reedus. It banditos. I don't know. Maybe. No, I think you're trying to do a Rooker. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, we, fucking, we and, and we, Carl. We, we did the Rooker panel too. Oh yeah, we had a hard time getting through that panel. Why? Because he spends the whole panel bullying fucking uh, what's his face from comic book guys, the little Asian dude. Yeah. So Rooker is like six and change, and the Asian dude is like five and change, and he's like wanting to demonstrate martial arts with the dude, and he's kind of has a bullying quality to him, and he's letting running through the audience asking questions, so he's got that strong fan interaction. But the problem is he's not actually answering the questions; he's just dodging all the questions and being attempted smartass. But he's not he, he got the ass part down, but not really the smart. And so after trying to watch an hour of that, and I think it actually ran long too. We were like, "Get the fuck away, Michael Rooker! You're ruining your whole." thing for us stop he, it was another one where he was definitely trying to interact with the fans and good for him but god he was getting on our fucking nerves it reminds me of what who's the producer for uh that the superman, the superman movie. movies who was just coming in like doing fucking dumb shit um that wasn't goyer who was no, that who was the um, the producer guy um, what was it? Uh, Barbara Streisand's uh, hairdresser. hairdresser was the the producer. Oh, Joel Silver. Was it Joel Silver? Well, it might have been Joel Silver, who was going to produce uh, Superman Lives or whatever. I, I believe you're talking about Joel yeah, Silver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he was just going into the office the and Wild just. Wild West. He got his damn spider in the Wild Wild West movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Thargarian yeah. Snare Beast. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he would go around and 
Thangarian. Which one is it? Which one's uh, the Hawkman? Thangarian. Thangarian. Thang- Oh no! Why? Oh no! Okay. Hold on, let's see. Okay, oh okay. No, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. Oh, that made my tits. <laughs> oh my tits! If I had to read that goddamn Ryan Daly comment again, third time's the charm. Uh, okay. That That's Gutenberg nothing against you, go. Ryan, for writing long comments. But if I have to read them multiple times because of technical issues, I, hey, I, I leave really long comments on his podcast, and he reads like fifteen percent of them. So. All right, next comment comes from Matt W on Google Plus, Polar Brother, Google Google Plus Brother. Uh, hello, gentlemen of the Marvel Superheroes podcast. Just recently discovered your podcast, listening from the beginning. You guys speak well and avoid the tendency of fanboy rage, which is greatly appreciated. But furthermore, you generally love comics. Overall, it's fun to hear the general conversation and various Marvel characters. Uh, it's just a big universe. So what? It's such a big universe and so much. It's just fun. So I like your podcast a lot. Let me change direction and say I'm not much part, I'm not as much a part of the comics. I grew up on the TV cartoons. And also, <laughs> oh my god! And only in recent years have I it's, gained. It's one of those. It's the, the the funny part is just one of those conjunctions, like the TV cartoons, those old TV cartoons. On That's these the, boxes. The, the computer internet. So yeah. <laughs> it just sounds a little awkward. But Let's go fun. down to the speakeasy and watch the TV cartoons. <laughs> uh, the only, only in recent years have I gained appreciation for comics. My heart still enjoys cartoons, specifically, which is probably why he's listening to the Marvel Superheroes podcast. God, we fucked up with our title. Uh, my heart still enjoys, uh, da, 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 especially, especially that which well, no, we eats, brought them in with the nostalgia, and we keep them in with the foul language. Yeah. Specifically, that with each series, you get a different interpretation of each character. Thank you for your time, and I look forward to catching up with you. Catching up to your recent podcast period. We, we will try Words. to do some more cartoon stuff in the future. Matt W. from Google so Plus. You're we, we, finally, rock. We, we finally are breaking the cherry on Thor so maybe we can watch some Thor cartoons and shit. Transformers a movie. Fucking Marvel superheroes, fucker. Did you Marvel not hear that part? the cartoon. Oh, our next no, comment. Stop it. Our, nox, our next comment from, comes from our good friend Sean McLaughlin. Uh, a new webcast. Oh, joy. Don't believe the rumors. We're just good friends. Next, uh, our next comment comes from Martin Gray at Martin Gray. I get sick of the same old miserable DD vibe. I don't know, kids. How many times do we need Matt? Uh, need Moody Matt versus Kingpin? I really like to get. It, uh, I'll likely get back to it. Really like JJ, Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones. Well, we can't talk about that because we've done a podcast on. Uh, our next comment comes from Jason Martinez. Another good episode of the Marvel Superheroes podcast, Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix, season one, two fifteen. Thank you again, Jason Martinez. We Thank love you. you. Sir. Black Canary. I'll need a sparring partner. I'm Zatanna. What do you care about some leggy dame in nylons? Or have I answered my own question? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for magic. Black Canary and Zatanna. Together in one podcast. I'm Ryan Daly. And I've got a thing for superheroes in fishnet stockings. That's why I started Power of Fishnets, a Black Canary and Zatanna podcast. Join me every two weeks as I celebrate the Blonde Bombshell and the Mistress of Magic in their exciting adventures published by DC Comics. Power of Fishnets, available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com.
So hey, uh, that that's was a how I question. felt when you guys reviewed Deadpool. I'm like, did we see the same movie? <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, yeah, that's that's an episode I don't care for, and I I think you know, like you said, you got pissed off at all the excess audio uh, files. But I think literally, <laughs> I was probably like a quarter or halfway through the episode, and I was so bored with everything I was editing. I'm just like, I'm just sort of fucking around with that stuff just to uh, entertain myself. When I was trying to edit it, besides just being burnt out on the seemingly constant stream of 90 minutes two-hour episodes of Marvel Superheroes podcast. And I think I made a game out of sticking as many of – seeing if I could stuff all the promos that I collected on the internet in there and actually going off and seeking those promos after getting tired of editing a, a segment of the episode. I, it just bored the shit out of me, and I, I was doing it mostly to entertain myself. And there may have been some passive aggression in there too where it's like, ah, I'm tired of editing the show. So that's one of the problems we had with uh, getting more episodes out. Cool. Well, that was very mature of you to do that. <laughs> I, I really don't like that episode, and I think it shows through. I think my contempt shows through. I just I felt like, especially as I was listening to this, like I did not enjoy this movie as much as this podcast makes it sound like I enjoyed it. And I just I think part of it was I just didn't want to be critical guy again. I think most people think that I'm intentionally like Armand Whiting these shows, um, and it's like it's not true. It's like Deadpool was a perfectly passable you know movie, but we we were in a kind of a mode where we we're like, yeah, that was really great. That was really great. And it's like. And I, I don't think we had enough background to really critically assess it. I, I, I've got my background on Deadpool, but it ends sometime around fairly early on, and I hated the comic books that I read, and I just, I just wasn't, I don't think we were good people to review that, that show. I don't think we had enough information, enough education, and enough critical assessment. So I, I'm really disappointed in that one. Especially because, like, I compare that to, say, Guardians of the Galaxy, a movie that, you know, people think I was really shitting on Guardians of the Galaxy from that podcast. And I think overall I liked the movie and I was mostly complimentary of it. Um, and I like that movie way more than I like Deadpool. But if you listen to the podcast, it makes it sound like it's the other way around. So uh, I disappoint myself when I think about yeah. that. Yeah, Guardians is this weird one where I, I talk to people and even though, I mean, all, they all have problems. And I think we've talked about some of our problems with Guardians, particularly with Gamora and with Ronan. But I still think that objectively, Guardians is one of the best movies that Marvel Studios has made. Like of their 12 movies so far, Guardians is maybe like the second or third best that they've made. But when I rank them in my favorites, it's like number seven. And part of it is just like, I don't care about those characters. I didn't leave that movie wanting to read more Guardians of the Galaxy comics. Well, like with, that, that didn't really affect my my feelings on Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, yeah, same here. I, whereas, I, I, whereas a movie like Ant Man, I don't think like Ant Man had a way more story and character problems than Guardians of the Galaxy did. But I liked Ant Man way more because I've always liked Ant Man, and it finally gave me an Ant Man that I could root for on the big screen. So I just I, I'm really really subjective when it comes to those movies. So. And with me, it's the same boat. It's like I don't have a great investment in most of those characters. And the ones that I do have an interest in, I have an interest in peripherally through like Warlock comics and the, the Marvel cosmic books of the Bronze Age. Yeah. But the main issue is just that the, 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 the character that should have been the breakout in terms of the absolute badasses is Gamora. You know, she's the deadliest woman in the galaxy. And the fact that they, they, they made her essentially a love interest with a little right. extra kickiness. It's just like, that's the one thing that should have been a home run. That's the one thing that, you know, make her the absolute badass and then Drax can be the kind of slow, powerful guy and Rocket can be the smart ass and the cute one that the kids gravitate towards and Groot can be the softy and Star Lord can be the general cis guy that all the bros 
home in on. Oh. I really needed Gamora to be like a super badass. She should have made Black Widow look like shit. You know, she should have just right. been the absolute cool, scary. She should be the one that doesn't have a date because everybody's scared to death of her. They, they, <laughs> and, and instead she's just a generic love interest. And I, I thought the actress was wasted. I thought the potential of the character was wasted. And they just made her really cool. I, I would have let everything else slide. I, I, it would have been valuable for me because it would have had a point where the main point of the movie was to show that Marvel could do a sci-fi flick and they could do a you know crowd-pleasing movie that crossed over into general audiences, which is fun, but it only goes so far in my esteem. You know, I like the movie; it's cute, but I haven't I I have not watched it all the way through since it came out in the theater. You know, Pekita uh, bought it on Blu-ray and her family watched it. And I'd catch bits and pieces. And I'm like, yeah, that's cute. Yeah, it's kind of fun. But I have no compulsion to watch it over again. Where, you know, like if, if I'm flipping the channels and a Winter Soldier's on, it, it has the same effect on me that The Dark Knight had. I'll watch it by accident. Mm. It's like I'll just stop to watch a moment and then the next thing I know, 45 minutes to an hour have gone by because I've just gotten so sucked into it again. Right. So I just – yeah, it's just a totally different experience for me. I can toss right through Guardians of the Galaxy on when I'm flipping through the channels and it's not – it doesn't suck me in. Right, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy has gone over very well. And they've been launched, which is funny because the comic books weren't terribly successful. The Guardians, as you see them in the movie, were put together in the late aughts. The Guardians of the Galaxy, the original incarnation, were created in the late 1960s, but they were set a millennium from now. So they, their stories took place in like 2968 or some shit like that. The modern incarnation of the Guardians that you see in that movie, they were only put together around 2007, 2008 as a team. Oh, they're really recent. Yeah, and they, and, but they were disparate characters from a variety of different space related series that hadn't worked together. But they still existed prior to that. You know, Rocket Raccoon dates back to, I think the late 70s, early 80s. Gamora is from the early to mid 70s. And they had their own, Comics, right? They 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 were they were yeah. The only thing that was unique is they brought those characters together and they had that somewhat sarcastic tone, which was translated into the movie. Well, since the movie, they've been spinning off these Guardians characters in their own solo series. The Rocket Raccoon book was a surprise smash hit. The Starlord book they've got going now is apparently doing fairly well, and now they're going to go ahead and do a Gamora series, which would be fine for me. It's like great. There's another girl series. Hopefully, it does well. But what makes it really interesting and makes it a must read for me, probably a trade paperback, but still, is that it's going to be written by Nicole Perlman. There's this fucked up story related to that. Nicole Perlman was part of a writers program at Marvel Studios where they would take people that weren't established screenwriters, allow them to pick projects that they would write screenplays for, and Marvel would use that as the basis to help shop around ideas and get directors and stars interested in working on these characters. So she wrote the original screenplay for Guardians of the Galaxy. That screenplay helped to drum up Hollywood interest and helped to get the director, James Gunn, to sign on to the project. Gunn, however, went and wrote his own script, but because she wrote the script that his script was based upon, she got the Screen uh, Writers Guild of America credit owed to her in the film credits. But Gunn was running around telling everybody, no, I wrote it. That script was nothing, has nothing to do with my movie. I wrote the script. <clears throat> By diminishing her role, there's a lot of question about what she contributed to the movie. Some people say that, oh, yeah, the Guardians wouldn't have happened without her. Other people were like, no, it was a James Gunn movie. She had nothing to do with it. So I'm really curious to see how good of a writer she is. And given that I had major issues with how Gunn handled Gamora in the movie, I would really like to see how this writer Perlman handles that character. And, and if she's much more of an agent of her own designs as opposed to just being a love interest and somebody for Star-Lord to save. I watched Guardians of the Galaxy last night on Blu-ray. My, my kids got it for me for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Of course, I saw it in the theaters, but god damn, that movie's so much fun. Yeah, it's okay. <gasps> my girlfriend I haven't, bought I haven't it for me. I need to, to watch big, it again. I haven't listened to your big episode yet. I didn't want to listen to it until I watched it again. Okay. But, um, What's wrong I, with you? 
<laughs> listen to the podcast. Oh, all right. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to watch. I got it, it downloaded. It's just you know. Yeah, uh, I'm going to watch it again. Uh, my girlfriend bought it for us, and she bought it on 3D too. So I'm going to. I'm uh, thankfully my father's got a 3D TV. Oh wow! So it's like cool. We'll give that to him because we're not going to have one of those ever because it's stupid. Um, <laughs> and we'll just watch our Blu-ray. And she picked go. it up mostly because she knew I liked the special features. That's why we don't have a copy of Winter Soldier in this house is because they burned us on the special features. There's nothing on there. There's no reason to buy that disc. Um, but at least this one's got some stuff on it, like the the <laughs> Avengers pre- preview stuff, the Age of Ultron preview stuff. Yeah, Did you get like, around to watching that yet? Yeah, all 15 seconds of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I don't know what it is, but – Scarlet Witch, the way they're they're filming her, I just I totally am into her right now. You got the hots for that chick, I think. No, I actually, I, she, they're they're all squirrel monkeys. That whole family is a bunch of squirrel monkeys. Um, but for some reason, it's just what the, the fuck does that mean? <laughs> they look like squirrel monkeys. You mean the the actress? <laughs> yeah, all the, all the Olsons. They all look like oh. mutants. They don't look like they're actual humans. They look like wait, she's you know, she's one of the Olsen twins family. Yeah, she's the she's the youngest of the Olsons. She's not oh, a twin, shit. but she's in the same family. I didn't know that. Yeah, and if you look at her, she does look kind of weird, but it works for Scarlet Witch. And I just like how I, I don't know the, the way they're filming her, the way that she's moving her arms and such. It's just like um, I, I, you know that uh, song "Lights" by Ellie Goulding. Not a clue. Okay, see now I'm getting a Rob Kelly moment here. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there's a popular British singer, and the song "Lights" came out around 2011, I think it was. And in the video, they keep doing these deals where it's like bullet time, where they the camera circles around her, where she's a static image fi- figure, and does okay. 360 around her. And then there's all these cheesy like digital projections around her. And because mm. she's dressed up sort of like like um, she's dressed kind of like Zatanna. And I keep looking at that video and going, "That's the Zatanna TV show. Just do lights by Ellie Goulding as a TV show, and boom, you got Zatanna." And uh, this sort of got the same vibes. Like I look at that, it's like they they figured out how to do it to make because uh, I've never liked uh, Scarlet Witch at all. I just she's a, she's a boring magic user. I'm not into her. She's got all that convoluted history. I'm Team Zatanna all the way. But just because of how she's moving, the way they're finding a way to make magic kinetic to where you can okay. visually see that there's something cool going on there. It's not just like you know Expector or whatever the hell they do on the Harry Potter crap. <laughs> Um, and I, I'm just loving that. I love that, that, uh, Joss Whedon, and I guess after all those years doing Willow and Buffy and all that stuff, he figured out how to do it right. But right. to make that visually interesting, I'm just fascinated by how they're doing that character. And I, I've got such a nerd boner for the vision. I can't wait to see the vision on screen. Is he in the, this movie? Yeah. Oh, see, I have, I have avoided everything. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. Pur- it's okay, you fucker. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I've avoided everything I can about the film on purpose. So I, didn't, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I don't care. The visions in it. That didn't make me. Well, that's me. that's not exactly been the most discreet thing. That they've been talking about that for a long time. Okay. Uh, I can tell you who it is, and I can tell you what he looks like, but or I can just drop it. Nah, I'll nah. be surprised. You'll be surprised. Okay, but anyway, uh, so I, those are the Vision is one of my favorite Avengers, and it's the closest I'll probably ever get to a Martian Manhunter on the screen that I would want to have any interaction with, as oh, opposed right. to whatever okay. crap Snyder comes up with if he comes up with anything. So yeah, I'm very excited for that. Um, all right, you read Angus. Okay, uh, I enjoyed Daredevil a lot. Still haven't finished Jessica Jones. Of course, this comment was left months ago, so probably he's finished by now. Uh, great to hear you guys talk about the series as it got me geared up to start season two this week. 
but you hadn't finished Jessica Jones? Dude. I very much enjoyed the first season and was able to binge watch it pretty easily. Yes, it was dark and bleak, but the characters were very complex, the protagonists likable, and the action great. I say this to contrast it to Jessica Jones, which I still haven't finished. Uh, it is hard to like any of those characters outside of Luke Cage. I suppose I'll finish that series one day. As for the first series, my favorite scene was Karen killing Wesley as I was completely not expecting it. Rad scene. That was fucking great, yeah. Uh, it's hard to truly surprise someone who has read too many comics and watched too many movies. Uh, the whole series, I was saying that eventually Wesley was going to shake off his stuffy businessman exterior, showing that he was ripped under the Armani and fight Daredevil. I was waiting for that to happen so much that I think his death was doubly surprising. Karen saying something to the effect of, do you think this is the first time I fired a gun at someone? added a nice wrinkle too that was a jump off the couch what the fuck scene like yeah, we that, were talking about yeah. with how breaking bad had multiples of those you jump off the couch like what the fuck just happened i did it to that scene where i was like she did not because i thought the same thing this dude's eventually he's gonna fight daredevil at some point they're gonna make I, him I, a yeah, super I, I never villain. i never thought that but why I did didn't they think make him a villain around. or he had there was some i, I assumed he was gonna be an ongoing character right. or at some point they'd nail him legally and he'd flip on kingpin sure, some shit like that sure, right he had some other end game not her just shooting but by the way karen page and uh claire temple are probably my favorite characters on the show although i really did like foggy too basically i like everybody better than matt I yeah, man, you know i heard some people somebody somebody on uh one of my facebook deals he just started watching it and they were like oh i couldn't stand foggy i had to stop watching it i'm like really foggy is great. because of foggy foggy is one of the best parts of that damn show People are weird, man. People are strange. Uh, Siskoid wrote, uh, This is going to be like Man of Steel, isn't it? Even months later, I was reading entirely new reasons how the film was terrible, like it was a bottomless pit of awful good work guys, and you did it franklessly too. My so God. I guess we've moved on to these Dawn are, of Superman. These are comments from our Dawn of Superman. <laughs> Dawn of the fucking Aquarius podcast. That was We've recorded... The isn't even in the fucking zip code, okay? I, I wasn't even trying to answer. Our next comment comes from Ryan Daly. Great episode, fellas. I wrongly believed I had cataloged all the movie sins in the furnace of my soul, but you guys pointed out Diana's stupid mission to retrieve a digital image. It still makes me laugh, dude. <laughs> he has an image of mine. Let me email it to you. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so stupid. Uh, on Lex's server, which is located in his kitchen conveniently. Um, yeah, that was stupid, and it reinforced the idea that Wonder Woman was shooed into the story late in the game because you can cut her out completely, and what passes for plot of this film doesn't change. Love the joke about Batman getting her email because Facebook just suggested her as a friend. <laughs> yeah, anyway, okay. It's all GPS-based. I hope that we managed to find a few other things that Ryan didn't even know he hated in our, at our least on the, second redo. At least in the second run, we did address some of the footage, the additional footage. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't a total rehash. I wonder if he watched it. I, don't, I hadn't heard from him on that. I don't know if he has the Ryan fortitude Delay? to go back for it again. Ryan Delay to watch the uh, the, the Ultimate Edition. Ultimate yeah, edition? I don't know. I, I don't. I haven't heard anything from him on that. I'm curious. They got into trouble. That, that was, of course. Let was, me tell you. They, about that, the... that was on our DC Bloodlines feed, by the way. In Let... case you don't know that that exists, yeah, there's we... there's an Ultimate Edition out there under the DC Bloodlines feed. Ryan Daly and Siskoid. That was sort of the cherry popping of that Fire and Water podcast network. And ooh, did they rustle some feathers? Those two. Very proud of those two guys. What do you mean? Because the Fire and Water podcast is a certain tone where everything's happy all the time and nobody's ever mad about anything. <laughs> and fucking Ryan Daly can be a curmudgeon sometimes and Siskoid's fucking just an angry Quebecer up there. <laughs> And they said some things that ruffled some feathers, and I was very proud of those two. Uh, is that an oblique reference to some stuff that turned up on Facebook? Yeah. Okay, because I, I don't, I didn't get into that because yeah. I don't log into the Facebook account yep. at all. You are it, not by the, on way, the if, if, if anybody has ever sent me, like every now and again, every few weeks, I get an email telling me I have like 
seven messages and so many friend requests and so many tags and all this kind of shit on Facebook. I have not logged into my Facebook account for like two years. Hold on. I hate Facebooks. I only ever got a Facebook account because somebody wanted to send me some pictures. The only way I could download the pictures was to get a Facebook what account. Kind of pictures? Nudes? Oh, uh, she was dressed like Satana. High five. <laughs> So yeah, so I I I I'm not going to be there. You can just get a hold of Mac via Facebook. High if you five like. again. Yeah, he has the Facebook page, and, but you're talking to Mac. I have nothing to do with the Facebook page. All right, our next comment comes from Ryan Daly. Wait, where does it come from? Ziscoid? No, it comes from Ryan Daly. I wrong. Bl- nope, it comes from Michael Wagner. <laughs> Michael Wanger. Michael Wanger. <laughs> Michael. I would I would totally be Michael Wanger if I could. That's Dude, that's a lot to live up to, though. That's a rad porn star name, Michael Wanger. <laughs> Uh, okay, new episode downloaded and ready to listen at work. Damn it, fix it. Moriah's son was Proteus. Xavier's son was Legion. Oh, so Legion. Yeah, it, right. That all kind of connects, yeah. Next comment comes from Alan Middleton. No, no, no. We need to fight and take sides. Are you hashtag Team Frank, hashtag Team Rob, or hashtag Team Nathaniel? I don't remember the context of that all anymore because right. we're so far behind. Our next comment comes from the Film Noir podcast. It's Steve Prefontaine all over again. Oh, because we've got too many episodes that are t- covering the same material. And like we were competing for like the, the day. Like There's a bunch of podcasts that oh, came out at the right, same right, time. Right, right. You, so, you were trying and to- I think, and they might have even been on the same subject at some point. Like We were both covering the same movie or some shit. Yeah. Uh, our next comment comes from my good friend Odell Abner Dracula. I haven't seen an X Men movie since X Two, but I'll be interested to hear what you guys have to say about this one. I predicted the movie would suck, and I was correct. Um, our next comment comes from me. And wait, did you see it? No. So you don't know that it sucked? It sucked. It sucked, <laughs> dude. I don't need to see movies if I know. You thought the sucked. Days of Future suck. Past sucked though, and it did suck. No, it didn't. It was a pretty good movie. No, Days of Future Past sucked. <laughs> um, our next comment comes from at Illegal Machine. Storm, Gee, I, I know that guy. <laughs> I haven't seen an X movie since The Last Stand. Wait, no. Days of Future Past. You Which didn't see Days of Future Past. No, I didn't see it. I you saw you Last about, Stand. I thought you were talking about Last Stand. The one last with Kitty Pride. Last Dance I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Last Stand sucked. Uh, don't give two shits about this franchise. Fix it and Frank seem to be genuinely, seem to genuinely hate each other's episodes. <laughs> Sorry, I missed it. Hashtag friends. Yeah, like, yeah, okay, anyway. Well, uh, KG Baker and follows. And Baker says, I really felt like I was eavesdropping on a domestic disturbance. Because this was the X-Men one where you guys were, like, super pissed off at each other. And you kept telling him to shut up and let you talk, but you talked for an hour? <laughs> you won't let me talk. Really, really. Well, because you synopsized the movie minute like, by I minute. Was dr- I was sitting in traffic, like, I want to turn this off because I felt like you guys were, like, yelling in the back seat or something. It was really weird. <laughs> I'll turn this car around or you don't stop. Car <laughs> well, that, uh, part of the problem is that I think I employed extraordinary rendition uh, techniques on on poor uh, Fix It, making him stay up till four o'clock in the morning and talk about gay Captain America stuff. So, oh yeah, that was that night. Our that next, was the same night. Uh, yeah, our next comic. Actually, comes- if I remember correctly, the X Men was the very last thing we'd already talked about gay like cap stuff, and morning. then we got around to yeah. Hey, it was, that, but that, it was four thirty in the morning. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Next comic comes from at Illegal Machine. Me too. And I've known these guys for damn near twenty years. Next comic comes from David Fiore. Flock of Seagulls, perfect. They could have also lampshaded and recycled Quicksilver's set piece with Echo Beach, Martha plus Muffins. Man, this is too much 80 shit. <laughs> well, no, it was, we were trying to find a, a better song than Sweet Dreams to play during his speed sequence. <laughs> because Sweet Dreams is overused as fuck. Yeah. And I ran. I ran so far away. Okay, I was bored for most of the I couldn't still, get away. This is still David Fiore. I was bored most of the movie, like you guys said. The pacing was awful, and there were so many scenes that went on way too long. During the final battle sequence, when final battle when Gene uh, Phoenix is out, everything goes slow motion. I almost begged for the film to speed up so I could go home. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, positives Magneto's story arc with his wife and daughter until they're murdered. Once Apocalypse recruits Magneto. Wait, I, I think this is Ryan. I, I think I forgot to credit him, but I, I don't remember David Fior ever going this deep of a breakdown. I'm pretty sure this was Ryan. Oh, this totally looks like a Ryan Daly comment. <laughs> uh, positives Magneto's story arc with his wife and daughter until they're murdered. Once Apocalypse recruits Magneto and his four horsemen, Eric loses all his characterization and becomes boring as everyone else. Eric loses all characters. Up here. I read the line already. <laughs> the actress playing Storm looked great. Olivia Munn looked great. Nightcrawler was used effectively, but he was no Alan Cumming. Apocalypse wanting to steal Xavier's body telepathy was cool, but at least that was an original concept. You read the negatives. Okay. But if Apocalypse had Xavier's power... Oh, Ryan why, sounds rad. <laughs> why would he need Magneto to destroy the world and kill most of the people? Of people. Mystique, I'm so fucking done with his interpretation of her. <laughs> J-Law is fine in non-genre movies, but I've never liked her in X-Men or the two Hunger Games movies I saw. Ah, brother. And I'm pretty sure she was playing the same character in both. Storm was pitifully underused. A fully powered, supercharged Storm should be could be the most powerful mutant on Earth. She she could create electrical storms, flash floods, hurricanes, wildfires, biblical shit that could wipe a city off the map, brother. Exactly the kind of thing Apocalypse would want, so he made perfect sense that he would want her for his four horsemen. But she didn't do anything. <laughs> Jesus. But she didn't do anything. Oh, we had to scroll down and still the same comment. Uh, yeah. Definitely Ryan. The look of Apocalypse. Apocalypse was shorter than Magneto. The Weapon X scene was too long, too graphic, too gratuitous. The Quicksilver... <laughs> Uh, the Quicksilver Sweet Dream scene was too long. Till being bored and not liking the new characters were still not my biggest problem with the movie. Not counting Deadpool, we've had eight X-Men movies, and they've only ever focused on four characters. <laughs> uh, either they recast Scott and Gene, or my preference. That's why this is so fucking hilarious to me. He's frightening. This is super intense. <laughs> Table the X team for a couple of years, developed the new mutants and X Force properties. <laughs> for we can be the kids growing up in a world that hates them. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, I wanna <laughs> Wait, dude, was that loud? Did you say self meltdown? Did you say self indulgent? <laughs> Our next comment comes from Swag Our next comment comes from Swag Flu. Oh, the infamous Swag Flu. One star, anger ranting off subject. This was moderately interesting until one of them began a strange, angry profane. <laughs> Oh no! This is that one. Yeah, the infamous oh, swag phone. Okay, so I was uh, there's a story behind this one since it got erased on our other recording of this. So I uh, I was on fucking uh, podcast addict, which is my the what I use to listen yeah. to podcasts, right? And um, I noticed you could swipe to see comments, and I was like fucking comments, and I I I think it's to see iTunes comments, but you know iTunes comments unless unless you change in the URL what country you're in, yeah. you don't see uh, the, the man. If you listen to the Fire and but, Water but podcast, they've been talking about that on every one of their podcasts really? for months now. Yeah, so, I, I don't understand how. Which, which we, I, I can't tell you the last time I even looked at our fucking iTunes reviews. To be honest yeah, yeah, with yeah. you. Um, but so, but I don't even think so. I don't know where this guy rated this, but somehow Podcast Addict is pulling this con, this con, uh, 
Mint in from somewhere. <laughs> sorry, it's pulling this comment in from somewhere, and this motherfucker. I read this thing and it cracks me up. It's from Swag Flu. One star rating because he rated our podcast one star, and he says angry ranting off subject. This was moderately interesting until one of them began a strange, angry, profane uh, rant about some pizza shop owner who about who some pizza shop owner votes for. Who cares? I have no interest in such petty anger. I'm angry at you. I'm being petty. Fuck you, Swag Flu. Go fuck yourself. But just, There's so many fucking ballless goddamn podcasts out there talking about comic book shit. Fucking take your swag flu ass the fuck and your played out fucking swag flu ass the fuck to was, some other podcast. It was because he was. We were talking about the Papa John's. I was talking about guy. fucking Papa John's guy. Yeah. How? Why were we even talking about the Papa John's guy? I think I went on a rant about uh, libertarianism or ob- objectivism yeah. or some shit like that. Really? So I take yeah. it this guy's friends basically will pick a subject and only speak of the subject. They hate. Well, they but, no but, idea of rants. But, and- but he says, uh, and this is why I think this is the Papa John guy <laughs> because he says it was monitor he said this was moderately interesting podcast he was like oh this is a pretty fucking interesting podcast and he went on a 30 second rant of the papa john's guy one star i'm gonna make a comment on this uh definitely he's trying to make america great again he's also very upset about briley cooper turning up the dnc so. but if i find out this is one of you motherfucking regular regular listeners and post it under a different fucking name i'm gonna be super pissed off or Just we'll be- high five you because we don't give a fuck about yeah, your we fucking really i mean we enjoy your comments we we, we definitely want to hear from you. I, I actually feel kind of sad. We haven't gotten a ton of comments lately, and I'm feeling a little lonely, guys. So you guys could maybe step it up a little bit, at least tweet us something. But as far as like iTunes reviews, I know a lot of podcasts are like, it helps to promote us, and then you'll go, we'll turn up and search listings faster and all this kind of bullshit. It's yeah, like, that we don't give know, a shit about. Fucking I, you Google. You put anything related to us, Google, and it shows up on fucking Google. And if it doesn't show up, it's probably best we fly under the radar because I'm pretty sure somebody might try to sue us for some yeah. of the shit we talk about. I think, our, so, I think our iTunes shit isn't even set up right anyway. So if you left us much comments, we would be rating high in like the hobby category or some shit. Like, or fucking art. <laughs> that would be crap. my fault because I'm it, the one who set that part right, up. But I it think. doesn't matter. It, we don't give. But a also, but we're also, never, we're not making money off this. We're never going to be famous. It's probably better that way. Well, no, we're already we're already famous. So it doesn't. We can't get more. We're famous. fucking in. We're infamous, uh, infamous comic book outlaw infamous. motherfuckers. Yeah. So no, we want your comments, but we don't need you to comment on iTunes. Or yes. Um, okay, but but feel free to tweet us that we're fucking assholes and we shouldn't talk about the shit we're we're talking about because we're we're just gonna make fun. Yeah, of that's you. fun stuff. That's fun stuff. Uh, and if you, we, like- we, it gives us an opportunity to argue with you by proxy. So um, our next comment probably is somewhere. Oh, I lost our space. <laughs> well, swag flu is the last motherfucking cocksucker oh, that we talked about. Baker so on swag flu. Thank you, Keith. He says, I give the show 14 stars just because of angry rants. <laughs> There's not enough of that these days. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Keith's legit. Keith's okay. cool, yeah. All right. Uh, next comment comes from Ange on the, de- the Devil's Daughter. I've read uh, Satan Girl. I knew Satan Girl. Satan Girl is a friend of mine. And you, Satana, are no Satan Girl. I love Esteban Moreno art. It was amazing. Uh, he did that gorgeous Amethyst mini. Is I, I just, girl some DC character? I appreciate that this is a Texas-based podcast, and he referenced Lloyd Benson there, so good on him. Martin Gray on episode 56, Satana, the devil's daughter. I love Satana and her backward spells. Did she do any backward spells in that? No, no, I'm thinking of... Uh, oh, he's making fun of Satana, Satana versus Zatanna. Satana, yeah. got it. Yeah, no, I, I got it, it at the time. It's visually, it makes sense. Audibly, it's pretty confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Odell Abner Dracula on episode 56, Satana, the devil's daughter. Uh, listening to the episode on a bus ride home, come for 
satanic coverage, stay for the Johnny Lee anecdotes. The butterfly sends it over the top. Oh, he's talking about the Joe Jusco painting for the new Marvel masterpiece. I had no fucking idea they were making another Marvel masterpiece set. Yeah. And it looked great. It makes me that much more uh, regretful that I didn't get a piece by Joe hot, Jusco. Hot take alert. I'm not a huge Joe Jusco fan. Of all the dudes who did painted shit, not a big Joe And Jus- I'm Joe just guy. the opposite. Most of the guys that did painted stuff, I th- his masterpiece set, as far as the single artist who did an no, entire set, I th- maybe he's I the best Boris. one. Am I thinking of Boris? I like Boris, too. Bo- Boris and Julie, they, they, did a, they teamed up to do a set. Don't like them. I like them too. I do like Joe Jessica. The one I can't stand the Hildebrands. There's two orange autumnal colors, too Don't soft like them focus. Either. Yeah, I could, I never had a taste for the Hildebrands. Too much mm. fantasy bullshit. You know, that would be Tolkien that would be a shit. rad podcast. Forget this a hot move bullshit you keep trying to do. What if we uh did the what if we did reviews of trading cards? Well, I, you know, some people have actually done some of that stuff. God damn it. Never mind. I don't want <laughs> well, to. Well, no, it but anymore. it was Ultraverse, so nobody listened to that shit. Oh, I don't even know what that is. Shout out to David Day, Scudieras. Is that like a podcast or a- The Ultraverse Network begins now. Over 20 years ago, Malibu Comics debuted The Ultraverse. It may not have lasted long, but the creativity and quality of its titles and creators caught many readers' imaginations when it first appeared and in the years since. This network of fans celebrates the fun and excitement of the Ultraverse and its awesome writers, artists, and characters. Featuring three ongoing podcasts covering a variety of topics, including Nightman and Solitaire, our blog will feature regular coverage of The Strangers, Sludge, Firearm, Ultra Force, and all your other favorites. Look for Ultraverse Network on iTunes and visit our website at ultraversepodcast.com. We are giving Ultraverse fandom a jump start. Yeah, there was an like ult- there, there was an Ultraverse podcast. They decided that nobody gave a shit about the Ultraverse because nobody gives a shit about the Ultraverse. Our next comment comes from David Fiore. Enjoying your satanic verses. R.E. Moth, Butterfly Souls, 1941 film Devil, and Daniel Webster also featured the symbolism. And I meant to research that and completely forgot. So um, maybe when this episode comes out, I'll remember to research that. But thank you for the information. Good, sir. Um, 108 stage then said, RE Milestone Comics, at least three characters were in excellent, were in the excellent Young Justice now on Netflix, worth a watch. But it also involves. Oh, they, that, and that's talking about uh, black characters yep. and who's relevant and who's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, I, and I forgot to mention Black Panther may be number one, but up until very recently, I think Spawn would actually have been the number one guy. That's bullshit. It's not yes. Spawn. It, Stor- Storm has always Storm <clears throat> has always been better. If it was never Black Panther, then it was Storm. Storm did not sell two million copies of her own comic books. Storm did not have a toy line that was so popular it revolutionized blah, the entire blah, toy blah. industry. Storm did not have her own self-titled he cartoon black. series. But he wasn't black. Shut up. Oh, Wanda and Cyan and oh, Terry Fitzgerald were not black on those cartoons. Storm had her own fucking motion picture that made decent money. No, Spawn is completely irrelevant. Nobody knows what Spawn is anymore except for fucking monster energy drink drinking bros. And that's – I realized you're drinking a monster energy drink right now and I apologize for that. But you know what I mean. I'm not, I'm not, I don't bill, typically drink monster. Dudes who wear flat bill hats, no Spawn and shit like that. That guy who's like, Trump! Trump, fuck you, Trump. That guy. He, yeah, and, he knows who Spawn he is. he has no idea Spawn is black. Oh, he would have serious problems with Spawn being he black. He would. That's why I don't think it counts. Anyway, sorry. Uh, not Guanaman says no prize. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You forgot about that regarding Power Pack. Oh, uh, Power Pack. They get their powers from a dying alien who divided his powers among them. But it also involves why the aliens come to Earth. The kid's dad's invention, which could destroy Earth and other planets if activated. 
which does sound like kind of like a cool origin. Uh, Our next comments from Not Guano Man. No prize for guessing. Uh, I don't know if that was really. Oh yes, yes. yes. Uh, Guano, Not Guano Man was the person who managed to figure out after a series of clues that we were going to discuss Satana. Oh, okay. Because it was another one oh, of those right, super right. obscure characters. I need to make sure to get a node prize he, on the page I think for him. That he's got a couple of these, hasn't he? No, it was uh, Sin that got the other one, the Sin. Lady Damon one. Yeah. Okay. Next from Not Michael Wagner on episode fifty-seven. What the fuck, Mister Fix Shit. Cause that's because you screwed up <laughs> his. Fucked you up your name. Butchered the internet. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, our next comment comes from Randy Caldwell on episode 57. Captain America: Sentinel of Liberty with the Steranko stories. One of my favorite. When my first exposure to Cap back in the 70s was also my first exposure to the most interesting man alive, Jim Steranko, whose name will always be in all caps. I totally uh, gentlemen. Agree. One, two, three. Jim, Jim Steranko. He's awesome. I totally agree. I, I, I met him. We met him. We've told the story before. We've told I totally story. agree with you on Hal Jordan. He's a tool and always has been. Do you want to defend him, Mr. Fix It? No, he's a tool. Yeah, thank you. I prefer John Stewart. John Stewart, who should be the black character in uh, Justice League, right? Not yeah. Cyborg. But Cyborg will sell more action figures, I guess. Oh, uh, just reference, uh, Ange typed, if only someone told Johnny Menzel that with great power comes great responsibility. Referencing that, that the, the new fellow playing Spider-Man looks an awful lot like a football player that I don't know anything about because sports. Yeah. I said, uh, what's his name? Tom Holland looks like Johnny Menzel. And he does. I, I do. Like, there's so much shit I would love to do. Like, I would love to do a V podcast and then spend like a whole episode or two episodes or whatever just talking about the novels. Mm-hmm. I used to read the fucking novels, the movie tie-ins. I, I, I actually do have the, the first V novel on my shelf somewhere. But the I, I never Crispin actually one, re- sure. yeah, the AC Crispin, but, but I never actually read it. Well, is there anything in there that's substantially different from the miniseries? I don't think so now. But the, but then you get into the expanded universe stuff. Like the second one uh, was... I tried reading those comics, man. Those comics were not good. All right. I got all the right. first I, half I dozen I, of I them and I made I it through like one and one half and it was like, oh shit. I think I even I stopped reading the comic yeah. after a while. But um the novels though, like there was a uh, um the second one was called like I don't know, the LA connection or something like that, or, or the West, West yeah. Coast connection. And it was basically the whole V saga from the perspective of people living in Los Angeles. So it's sort of like well, Fear of the Walking Dead before there was a Fear of the Walking Dead. I, I and, love stuff like that, and I really wanted to like that show, and it really freaking sucked because there was such did. potential with that concept that was completely wasted. So it, did the V novel work out very well, though? Yes, the, the West cool. Coast connection. Well, again, for, to a 12 year old who read it, yeah. the West Coast connection was a lot of fun. And then they had a whole bunch of expanded universe books. They weren't always about the main characters. Like it'd be like, like one book about the main characters and the next book would be about some guy in Japan dealing with the V crisis and how he wins over his local V, you know, visitors. And then the next book will be the main characters. And then the next book is some guy in like, I don't know, fucking Dakota dealing with, you know, that. And it's, they had have these reoccurring characters. You would come back to the, the Japan guy, another book later down the line. And it's like, eh, fucking, hell, I love this shit. Now, mm-hmm. again, how are they nowadays? I don't, I haven't read one since I was 12, mm-hmm. but if well, I, I somehow I, magically get a bunch of time and stop doing fucking podcasts, maybe mm-hmm. I will. I can tell you, because me and the girlfriend listened to it during our road trip when we were doing the East Coast, if you enjoy that kind of story, World War Z is as good as you've heard. I love World War Z. Yeah, well, okay. I, I read the book. That's actually what made me start watching Walking Dead, mm. was I, I was sick of hearing about it. I, I never liked zombies. Zombies did nothing for me. And then I read, read the it, World War Z, the book. I just had that conversation with Ryan. He said the same thing. I'm like, I love zombies. So go on. Well, yeah, I, I hated them. I was like, zombies are stupid. And then I read World War Z, and I got the whole concept that zombie stories are not about the zombies. It's about the collapse of uh, society. Mm-hmm. And then I started watching Walking Dead. I'm like, fuck yeah, this is great. I love this shit. 
but not Fear the Walking Dead. No, I, I watched the first episode. I'm like, you know what? They set this up and, and dragged the camera out really slow on scenes where people turn to zombies. And it's like, if this was the first season and we'd never seen Walking the Dead or Walking Dead, that might be shocking. But we've watched six years of this shit mm-hmm. and it's nothing to watch somebody turn. I don't give a shit anymore. You can't shock me with the same shit you shocked me with six years ago. You've got to do something different. I actually, I defended the pilot of that show. I, I like the slow burn because I wanted, what I wanted to see was instead of everything already being ruined when we start the, the series, I wanted to see that slow decline, that slow divorcing from the world that we know to that world, that survivalist mode. And so what happens the second episode, LA's already in riots and things yep. are burning. Third episode, they're already, you know, the military's already come in. And it's just like, Fuck man, give get let it breathe. They let it breathe too much in the pilot, and then they didn't let it breathe enough the rest of the series. And in the midst of that, they forgot to actually develop any characters that anybody wanted anything to do with. So, is it? I guess the show's still going. It probably gets enough numbers. I'm sure. I'll tell you what. I I I, I gave up on it, and yeah. uh, it, it takes a lot to shake me off of something like that. But uh, they 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 had it in spades. Whatever it took, they had huh. it. <laughs> Receive Facebook likes from Keith G. Baker and Grant Richter. New Twitter follows from Art of Writing, Cinemastique, Green Rush San Diego, Hardcore Kush Daddy, Jean-Marc P. Nujip, Jesse Fernandez, Kevin Culp, Mikey Flash, School Life's Scott Page, who was a saxophonist for Pink Floyd, Toto, and Supertramp. Rit 1777. We got a hashtag Team Thursday from Adam Blackmoon. Retweets from Ange, Cinemastique, Comic Reflections, Firestone Fan, The Randomable. Twitter favorites from Brandon Mulally, David Golding, The Hammer Strikes, Josh O, Julia Clavine, Moviesaurus Rex, The Park Fanatic Podcast, Poop Culture Podcast, Oscar Blue Devil, Rick Man Crush, Ryan Daly, Sean McLaughlin, Words and Pictures. And finally, the Merry Marvel Marching Society, Andrew in Belfast, Angel Velasquez, Bone Dragon Comics, Chris Sheehan, Coffee and Comics Blog, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, Eric Mannix, Goldmind Productions, Jake and Tom Conquer Podcast, Keith G. Baker, Kevin Dodgy, Monsters and Mystics, New God's Mother Box, Now That I'm Older Podcast, Open All Powers Podcast, Randy Caldwell, Richard Field, The Silver and Gold Podcast, Sin and Alias Scarecrow, and the podcast Warlord Worlds, and the Xenozoic Xenophiles. The Marvel Superheroes Podcast is in no way affiliated with or endorsed by Marvel Entertainment. All characters mentioned and audio clips employed are believed covered under fair use, with no infringement attended against their copyright holders. The views expressed in this podcast are assumed legitimate, truthful, and solely possessed by the speaker. All right, here we go. I, I'm pretty sure you're classier than me for liking Doctor Who, whereas I liked Are You Being Served? Are You Being Served well, is on our PBS, and I'm pretty sure it's their crap in England. So. <laughs> I like the Vicar of Dibley. That shit cracks me up. So I have no idea where I was fucking going with that. <laughs> oh, I'll start off with my best Rick D's where I go like, you know, I do the opening bit, and then there'll be a long pause, and then I'll say the hello, welcome to thing. Um, and then you sashay into Disco Duck? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, yeah, right. Okay, 
Uh, I just had to prove I knew who the fuck you were talking about. You're so much older than me. I didn't want you to think there was a big generational gap or anything. Who's di- who's Disco Duck? You know Disco Duck. Dick Rick Dees did Disco Duck. Did he, did Rick Dees do Disco yeah, Duck? Yeah, he did Disco Duck. That was his I, big like hit. He he did the, all the talk shows and stuff, but he also had that one. He was a one hit wonder as well. I had no idea. Yeah. Okay, I just remember him doing you know the the Saturday morning top forty or whatever all the time. So on my shows, we call that getting franked. <laughs> wow. Yes, you did provide me with some knowledge. And no, this is not going in the episode. So that was a wasted effort. Sir. I know. I know. <laughs> Oh God! Please don't don't put my Rick D's knowledge up for display. I don't think anybody uh, comes out of that looking good. Maybe it should go in there now. All right. Um, There's that stinger we were talking about. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Let me get some of the go juice here. Yeah, I'm on Pepsi Max myself. I'm assuming you've got your Diet Mountain Dew in my hand. Second can. In five, four, three, two. Meanwhile, over in. Ju- <laughs> it was the first time I've ever had to do Meanwhile. I usually just say, like, Justice League, number three. The, the next Covered. time you need a canned laugh, just go back to that legitimate laugh and plug it in there. You sound like the, the Snidely Whiplash, the little dog from uh, Laugh Olympics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. I liked your real one better, though. <clears throat> Meanwhile, over in Justice League Annual, number one. The top 40 hits. <clears throat> Disco Duck. Hello. By the way, welcome- Bill Paxson directed the Fish Heads video. I saw <laughs> Bill Paxson directed the video for Fish Heads. I just want to let you know that. Bill Paxton directed the he, Fish Heads He directed heads and video? stars in the video for Fish Heads. <laughs> Random knowledge bomb. Thank you. <laughs> Could you shut up and let's do the show? <laughs> There's our outtake. <clears throat> Hello. He was also welcome- in the video for Shadow of the Night by Pat Benatar. <laughs> I can't even hear you. You're like a Nazi. Laugh. I hate you so much. <laughs> this is 90 minutes of my life. I'm never getting back. Are you really done? Uh, for for your own three, for your own bit of three. Yeah. In the out, outgoing tag, it'll be too much. I think two on the outgoing tag is perfect. So mm-hmm. you're gonna do it again. I can tell. All right. <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> I hope you're recording. <laughs> Shit. Hello. James Cameron w- directed the Martini Ranch video featuring most of the cast of aliens, including Bill Paxton. The what video? Uh, Martini Ranch's video for, uh, God, I can't remember the name of the song, but uh, it was the band that Bill Paxton was in, and James Cameron directed the video. It is a post-apocalyptic universe, and like Paul Reiser and almost the entire Aliens cast are in the movie, plus his future wife, Catherine Bigelow, who was hot as fuck. That's probably why Paul Reiser's so mad. Mm-hmm. Hello? Okay, I promise not to interrupt you. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Let me talk to your girlfriend right now. I'm going to straighten this shit out. I need to go to bed. You're going to have to shout pretty fucking loud to get her from here. <laughs> She'd come out of bed for me. <clears throat> she likes me. I'm nice. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Justice League International Bwahaha Podcast, a proud member of the Fired Water Podcast. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when I don't have to do anything and I still fuck you up. You fuck me up. Because I'm like just waiting based for on the expectation. All right. I think it's just starting giggles. 
Hello, and welcome to the Justice League International Bwahaha podcast. I can hear you losing it. I can hear you losing it. I didn't have to keep, do a damn thing. I was going to keep the laughter in there. <laughs> uh, I was going to let it go, but now you blew it, man. <sighs> Game over, man. Game over, man. Hello, and welcome to the Justice League International Bwahaha podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. <laughs> nah. I'm going to do it straight.